right, so. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, William. <laughs> Welcome back to the Waystation podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Randy Davis. I'm William Everett, coming live or recorded from. Coming live <laughs> three or four days ago. Coming to you live from the Studio past. 96 for the moment. Okay, <laughs> that reminds me. There was this uh, restaurant that we used to go to in college called Hoagie Yogi. They made they made subway sandwiches. Oh, I remember that subway sandwiches and frozen yogurt. Right, right. back and, when you could say a subway sandwich was a hoagie. Can you not say that now? I don't know. People don't know what it is. Okay, fair enough. So hoagie yogi. I actually always that brand always bothered me too because I'm like, well, it's it's a yogurt, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they did this thing called mixers where you you'd put the yogurt in a cup and then you put in a bunch of fruit. And then you put it in this little blender deal, and then they hand it back to you, and it's all mixed up, right? Right. And I, I used to, <laughs> I used to ask them like, "Hey, is this fruit fresh?" And they go, "Fresh frozen." <laughs> fresh frozen. And I'm like, "Wait, somebody wait, was what? clever enough on the other side of the counter to say fresh frozen." They trained everybody to oh, say fresh frozen. That's funny. Okay. And I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm in college. I'm a snarky son of a gun, and so I'm just like, so it was fresh. When you froze it and made it not fresh. <laughs> yeah. So no, the answer is no. They're like, yeah, Mia, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You went you went one step beyond their training. They didn't know what to say like, at that this, point. They're like flipping through a book. Like, we gotta tell them something. So then I um every time I went to that place, I would go, so is this fresh? I, I would just do it because uh, they could hear them say fresh frozen. And I could like nudge Rachel and she would go. <laughs> She went, went, yeah, but she was really going hee hee hee, but also hoping that you would say nothing more. Really, yeah, and I didn't say anything more after that because you know I don't, I'm not that guy. But it was pretty funny just to hear you, me fresh frozen. I'm just so proud of, you know, you and I get you proud said, of. You said, well, like you just said, I'm not that guy. Unfortunately, I am. Because <laughs> my wife, I would like nudge my wife, but the reason I'm nudging my wife is not so she'll get a chuckle out of my stupid joke. Yeah, but because here I go again. Yeah. They have no respect for the word fresh. Right. Like, or truth frozen. matters, people. Truth matters. Exactly. Do you remember, like, uh, what was that, that the bit they did on Seinfeld? Like, I have a reservation. Do you know the meaning of reservation? I'm sorry, we don't have a car for you. the reservation, <laughs> but you can't hold the reservation. So I do the same thing when I go to the 99 cent store. Okay. How much is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was really funny when it was like everything was 99 cents at least i thought it was funny yeah. and every time i went in there that was my bit how much is this how much and my kids when i first started doing it thought that was really funny so they started going in so my wife then would no longer go into the store with us mm. which actually you know in hindsight i really hate that store it's now on the top stores that i just won't go into i don't go to 99 cent stores and i won't go to i tell my kids when i used to go like daddy daughter dates or daddy son dates kind sure. of thing and I'm like, you can go anywhere you want to. And they're like, Chuck E. Cheese. And I'm mm. like, no. No, that's like a kid casino. It's like a kid crack store. Dude, all the, all the games in there are games of chance. It's literally a oh, kid's casino. It's <laughs> it. But it's out of business. So are they? Rip. Oh, hallelujah. Corporate. Corporate nationwide out of business. COVID, COVID disaster. Oh, thank heavens. So another positive thing out of COVID. I hated that place. Another I told I told them all, thing out of COVID. I told them all like you can go to Chuck E. Cheese once in your life. After that, I will never long no longer take you there. Yeah, there's another store in town called Five Below. Oh, I, you love that store. I love that store. And here's here's why I love that store, but I feel it's at risk. Because it's such a clear understanding. Like it tells you what it is, 
and then you go in and that's what it is. Right. It's like everything's five bucks or less. And and but it's not just any old garbage. It's not like they're trying to sell you paper clips or duct tape. It's like, no, no, no. There's toys and sports and home decor and t-shirts. It's like it's so it's like entertainment, basically. So you, you know think five. So first of all, the first time I saw it was after you told me about it, and I thought five below. Oh, and <laughs> I can't help but think temperature. And so I oh. think it's cold in there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just walk in with your with your nine hundred dollar sport coat, like your <laughs> nine hundred Ar- Arctera, whatever Arcteric <laughs> nine hundred. Uh, yeah. Wish. So anyway, so I love this store, but dude, at Christmas. They have a new section, which is 10 below. No, come on. I'm like, you can't do it. You can't do it. I mean, I admit that they box themselves in with the title and that at some point, inflation is going to make them go up. But man, is that point today already? But that's what I felt about 99 cent stores. I kept thinking, how long can you possibly stay below 99? How long can this last? And they they just gave up. Now it's just a brand. A 99 cent store, you can go in there. Nothing's 99 cents. uh, So like, yeah, in the the early 2000s, uh, what's it called? Uh, Carl's Jr., otherwise known as Hardee's, I think in other parts of the country. Yeah. Carl's Jr. launched a sand- uh, a hamburger called the $6 Burger. Oh, I remember that. It was and good. The, dude, that's a solid burger. Do they and, still have it? Uh, I think they do. Okay. But it's not called the $6 Burger anymore. And it was called it was called the $6 Burger because it was $3.99, but it, but it cost the same, but it tasted as good or better than the fancy hamburger you might get. Right. That was their whole For $6 stick. at like a sit-down yeah. restaurant. That was their stick, right? Well, dude, that burger costs like seven or eight bucks now. So they're like, we can't keep calling the six. So they changed burger. it. No yeah. wonder I can't find it. I'm so like, they, oh. So they call it like something now, like the Hardy Burger, or I don't know what they call it now. I'm looking at the menu. By the way, I found a hoagie yogi. I'm gonna call them today. <laughs> they don't open till ten, evidently, and it's in Redlands, California. All right. So uh, if you're in Redlands, California, at the hoagie yogi, I'm gonna call and ask if your fruit is fresh. See what they say. If they're still trained properly. All right. So in our last podcast, we talked briefly about imposter syndrome. And I have I have a couple of interesting stories to tee that up. Okay. Interesting story number one. Well, interesting to me. So we'll see if the if the uh, <laughs> if our audience thinks it's interesting. So I had this experience yesterday, which I forgot what it used to be like to do this, which was I um I used to work in film and movie marketing for an independent film company. Right. And uh that I, I at one point I ran the this company. So it was like a Anywhere from 12 to 20 person company, and I was the general manager. And um, I love film marketing. I don't know why. <laughs> it feels like the most natural thing in the world to me. Right. I loved it before I knew a thing about it. Right. Like, here's how actually how I got into it. My brother made a movie that some of you have seen. It's called The Other Side of Heaven. And two was, movies, actually. Well, he made, he made yeah. he's made several. He's made so, but before I even worked in movie marketing, like I that's I got into movie marketing. By just doing it. So my brother made this movie and um, they, were, they, were, they were putting together some marketing materials. And I'm like, I don't like that trailer that you made. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, you know, I make, I make movies for a living, man. I'm like, step off. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I really don't like it. I don't think it's right. And it's just like, I don't, whatever. He listened? Uh, so no. So, so then this is way back. This is 1998. There are no tools. It's not like I have a MacBook and iMovie and all this other stuff. Right. I download Windows Movie Maker. Oh, I remember that one. Because it was a good one, actually. It okay, worked good. Fine. And I took the trailer that they that they had, and I and I and I uploaded it with the super low res because my computer was garbage and could barely chug. 
And then I went and got the song that I wanted him to use. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> like off of iTunes. And I, and I recut their trailer with their footage. I just turned the volume down nice. on, on their footage and I recut the trailer with a song. Nice. And I took it to him and I'm like, this is what your trailer should look like. <laughs> and then. Wait, is he, he's got to be your older brother, right? He's my older brother. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then my brother, who's, who's, who's awesome like this, is like, that's an amazing trailer. I want you to come with me to some meetings I have about the movie in, uh, out of town next week. So I go to meet with the other producers. How old are you at this point? I'm in my early 20s. Nice. Mid 20s. Mid 20s. Right. right. So I go meet with the uh, the producers of the film. One of the producers was the Academy Award winning producer of Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, right? Oh, you're kidding. No, Jerry Mullen produced the first, uh, Jerry Mullen produced the first Other Side of Heaven. So, uh, and so we're doing the whole meeting and I'm just kind of whispering advice here and there to, to my brother, Mitch. And he's like, hey, I want, Randy has something he wants to show you. <laughs> and then I play this super low res garbage crunchy trailer with the song and and it's quiet and then the Academy Award winning producer of Schindler's List and Jurassic Park goes that's amazing that blows my mind I want to do that you're kidding <laughs> no oh. and so then they go license the song and they put it in the actual trailer and they they and then my brother went and raised some money and hired me as his marketing guy. And that's how I got into movie marketing. Nice. <laughs> Point of my story was that industry, that thing feels native to me for no reason. Like I've never worked a day in movies. Why, why can I just think about it and do it? So I, all that to say to tee up yesterday. So I, I'm out of the movie business. I'm in the make video games business. I'm a producer for video games. And, um, but a bunch of my friends and former colleagues um, still are in the movie business. Right. And one of them runs a distribution company that I, he do, he's in the space that I used to be in. Right. And uh, he last year started having me make trailers for him uh, because he, he his trailer resource kind of dried up. And he's like, hey, I got a couple of movies right now that need trailers. Do you feel like doing a gig? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I, um, I, I now I'm a producer of them. I'm not the actual editor, right? But I, I, I work with, I find other talented people now, and I'm in LA. And they're <laughs> the everywhere. Talent, the talent pool is off the charts, <laughs> right? But I, um, but I make them with some of my friends and family who are in the business, and some talent that's here in LA. And um, so we made this trailer a couple of days, ago, like a week ago, and it's excellent. Like, because this guy that I'm working with, um, Aaron, if you're listening, shouts like he's amazing. And so the first cut is always very good. So he brings me this first cut. It's very good. And, and I identified, I only have a couple concerns. The co- concerns are, <clears throat> it goes a little too saccharine sweet and, and it resolves a little too much. So this is the thing that people need to know about trailers. The point of a trailer isn't to make you see the movie. It's to, uh, I'm sorry. It isn't to make you feel like you've seen the movie. It's right. to make you feel like, holy crap, what happens next? I have to go. <laughs> right? So... It resolved a little too much. And so I so I, I give some notes and the notes were like, I want you to slide this song a little to the right. Right. Um, to, to bring the climax right up to the end. And then when, as soon as the climax hits, I want there to be like a mighty line. And I want people to turn to each other and go, oh, let me see that movie. <laughs> exactly. And this guy, because he's amazing with he's amazing with his first drafts, and he's also amazing with notes. Right. He brings back a cut that is like, I literally choked up. Like, like when I saw it, I'm like, and it made me want to see it. I'm like, ah. Perfect. So I sent it off to the client, who, and and normally I don't let the client see multiple drafts. Right. But this particular client it um, likes to, so I let him I let him see the early ones. 
<laughs> he comes back, he's like, wow, it is exactly what you said. But uh, the filmmakers like the first one best. They feel like it best represents the film. Just send us the first one. <laughs> You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. But that happens all the time. I, oh, okay. For the same reasons that it happened right, with my right, brother, right, which right. is like, I'm a professional. Just I'll just do what I want. They, and they don't think through what they're saying, which is, it doesn't matter if it best represents the film. How many movies have you seen because the trailer was amazing? And then later you're like, that trailer doesn't okay, really Okay, okay, wait, hold on. I'm going to stop you. <laughs> because I have gone, like, I feel like the trailers should want you to see the movie. But if the trailer's so good that you see the movie, that and then the movie's not even close to as good as the trailer, I feel duped. You feel duped by the studio. Kind of. But like, the trailer guy? That better be what uh, yeah, better no, be what that, he does. That, there's no doubt. If you're like if you're the if you're if your specialty is making trailers, you better make trailers that are like off that the better chart. be it. But there, I, I remember when you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, I saw a movie called um, The Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. I saw it because of the trailer. Amazing trailer. That was an amazing trailer. But that the. <laughs> The movie was so bad. I know, but did think through what you're saying. Should they like run a little card at the yeah, end? Yeah, true. By the way, the I got duped. Not good. I got marketed into it, and <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I mean, the other one was like Wally. I hated that movie, but uh, I the trailer looks is way better than the actual movie. Okay, but with the the Secret Life of Pets, like every chuckable, like you know, ha 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 point of the movie was yeah. literally in the um, the trailer. Okay. Zoolander's the same way, but Zoolander you kind of have to watch the whole way so you can just quote it all. You get I feel like you have to watch a movie <laughs> no, all the way trailer, through to be able to quote it. All, if a trailer, if any trailer is not better than the movie, then you were poorly served by your trailer. Any trailer is ever. not better than the movie. If any trailer that you've ever seen is is not better than the movie, then you were poorly served. In fact, there's a company but I'm going to lose my chance. Either I'm going to lose my chance or I'm going to shoot my shot. This company. <laughs> You're out. There's one trailer company that's so consistently bad that every time I watch it, like before it ends, there's the title. Before the title card even happens, I'm like, oh, this is a Sony Pictures Classic trailer. Sony Classics trailers are garbage. <laughs> and oh. by the way, to our friends. Wait, wait, wait. Stuff, I didn't know. Okay, hold on. So what you're saying is, is that they have, you make the movie yeah. and then you send the movie to a person, oh, and yeah. they pick the clips, and but the, the person you're sending to is specifically a trailer person. He's not just a regular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So there, even, even places that are enormous and have their own marketing teams, even those places, there's usually trailer houses around LA. There's like six Got or seven. it. Okay. So, so, but, 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 so but this company is not a trailer house. It's Sony Pictures Classics. Got it. That's not a trailer house. That's the, that's the, that's the brand owner. But but for some reason, this brand owner manages whoever the freak they use to make trailers that make everything seem slightly duller and sadder than their movies actually are. Which is what they think maybe is a marketing technique? It is a marketing technique because they make okay. art house films. And the, and it's like they're literally like like talking to you over the top of their teacup about this movie is amazing. And I'm just like, <laughs> sorry, man. I fell asleep halfway through the trailer. What just, What is this? <laughs> your 30-second trailer put me to sleep. It is so every time. I'm like... Oh, that movie. Oh, yeah. Sony. Got it. And I don't. I, so the fine. movie's way is the movie usually better or worse? Well, in, the, in their case, in their matter. case, it's, it could be evens or it could be slightly uh, or it could be slightly, <laughs> slightly better than the trailer. OK, so I take but I, I will admit that it totally annoys me that uh, I get duped by a trailer and go and watch the movie and it's horrible. 
But I will t- concede the point that if a trailer is meant to get you to buy that ticket, yeah, they win. That's the good only, job. It's the only job. It's good the job. only okay. job. There's seriously, yeah. and, and and not only that, you have to make the stakes incredibly high. It can't be like that looks pretty good. Because what does that looks pretty good mean to you? Just translate that for me, William. What does that mean? Where are you going to watch that film? On video. That's right. <laughs> so it has to be, my, as my, uh, my, my benefactor, the guy who hires me to make trailers says, I need this trailer to make people chew through walls to go to the movie. <laughs> He's like, because they only go to the movie a couple times a year. Most people. You and I go to the movies a lot probably, right? Yeah. I love mm-hmm. movies. Most people go a couple times a year. It has to be like, this is the one of the two times that you're going to lift yourself out of your chair, dust the Cheeto chips off of your clothes, and go to the movie theater. <laughs> the Cheeto chips. All right. Oh, the Cheeto chip dust. Cheeto dust. If you Sorry. can't relate to that, you don't shouldn't be listening to us. Because <laughs> right. we got dad bods and Cheeto, and Cheeto dust. Um, so, By the way, what's it up? Do you like hot Cheetos? Flaming hot Cheetos? Yes. Uh, theoretically. <laughs> What's theoretically? Well, no, I, I like the virtual version. I learned at a young age that I have like an allergy sensitivity to artificial flavors and colors. Okay. So there's mountains of food that I never really get to eat. But there's like a Trader Joe's wannabe of the flaming hot Cheetos that I love. So there you oh go. wait, Trader Joe's has a flaming hot Cheeto. I've oh, I've had the regular it's like one. A, it's like a chili lime something or other. So it's like flaming, and it's hot, good. flaming hot Cheeto kind of deal. They're great. Okay, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> yeah. Trader Joe's. My kids love flaming hot Cheetos. They By the way, great. Trader Joe's. Seriously, yeah. Who ever thought that they could make a store of generic brands so good, dude? They're actually so much better than like the things they're making fun of. Sometimes it's amazing. right. I mean, I used to work in the grocery business. Yeah, when I first got back from college, or I first got back from my mission, and I was working nighttime. I was trying to work nighttime so yeah. I could be, you know, and so I'd go into these and do the doing the sets. So I actually worked for oh, a merchandiser. I, That's great. Yeah, I was I was working for. Um, Kelly Clark, have you heard of them? Everybody's, it's, anyway, it's a, it's a merchandiser. And one of the products I was specifically hired to do was Kingsford yeah. Charcoal. <clears throat> nice. And they had, you would not believe the kind of studies that go into why people buy Kingsford Charcoal. And okay. then I would have to sell, right? I would have to sell the idea of the um, product manager, the produce, or the manager that hires or uh, orders everything yeah. to get big giant pallets of Kingsford charcoal. And then I was like, okay, you get the palette and I'll come in and I'll build you a display. Nice. And we would have like, we had display builders that come in. You could put a wave runner and make, you know, Kingsford charcoal has, it's blue, <laughs> it's blue and white. Dude, that's awesome. And so you could do the white top of the bag is like the, 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 the curling white part. And then you had the um, blue part was the water and they came in, it was put a, a big, um, like a boat or a, a, a jet ski or something in it, depending Jeez. on how big the store was. But the most how I big would a do, store would you have to have to sell that much charcoal? That's amazing. It was unbelievable. I was yeah. like, you know, and then I found out all these different things like end caps are really all about they're just about what the product manager got a good deal on that that month or something like that. Yeah. But we used to stuff it underneath the meat counter because we had all of these studies that would show that if you put Kings for charcoal underneath the meat counter, it increased meat sales by 30%. Meat sales? Meat sales. Oh, very nice. And then they had the basket theory, which is anyone that buys Kings for charcoal is going to buy meat and then ketchup and mustard and buns and lettuce and tomatoes. And they would go through like this whole thing. And so they would say a Kingsford charcoal represents a basket of $40 to $80. Yeah. And so we would go in there and try to sell all this stuff. Oh, to them. I could talk about this all day, actually, because I used to be in the. So when I was in the movie business, we used to have to sell DVDs. And we have these amazing guerrilla marketing stories from that. 
I remember some of those, which are great. We gotta get to that. But so here's here's the weird thing about the, yeah. I, I'm getting around to the Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's. which is which is uh, uh, really, <laughs> it's a generic brand, right? That they branded with their own name. Well, Safeway, for instance, has their own select brand or whatever they call it, right? Yeah. They make three to four times more money on that than they do Kings for Charcoal. Makes sense. So the average markup back then in grocery was 2%, oh, where wow. in, if you put in uh, you know, your select brand, it was like 6%, Sure. right? And it was much cheaper, so people, some people would buy it if they're consumer conscious that way. So really, what would happen was if you didn't go in, every single set, which is all the shelves, has exactly the same, every, uh, agreed upon number of facings. Front facing. Shelf. My job was to go in and I was supposed to fix the Heinz ketchup facings and the Kingsford charcoal facings. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was this constant battle between the Safeway Select brand and us. Because if we didn't go in and claim our 10 facings out of the 15 facing set, right? Yeah. They would, they would encroach. And our job was to push it all to the side. And we were supposed to like do this uh, convincingly. So the select brands were never very good in quality. That's why I find Trader Joe's so well, fascinating. Well, they used to be way off. Now they're pretty close, but they used to be way off. Some of them are. I mean, some is good, some is bad. Particularly ketchup. Ketchup's pretty close. Oh, well, no. You asked me before if I had some, you know, OCD <laughs> problems, and ketchup's one of them. <laughs> if it's not Heinz ketchup, it's not ketchup. <laughs> it might be ketchup. <laughs> ketchup. What's up? But it's not ketchup. <laughs> okay. Heinz, Heinz is the standard. So Trader Joe's. But they here they come out with this. Trader Joe's is unbelievably successful. Now they make in, a in an ironic twist. I recently got Trader Joe's organic ketchup. And it's it's a miss. What? <laughs> it's heavy on the it's heavy on the vinegar. I don't know. Something yeah. I'm just like, boy, it feels like maybe they kept this in the shed out back. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't feel quite right. And it's darker than regular ketchup. And I'm like, why is it darker? <laughs> My mom used to make spaghetti sauce out of ketchup. That's how oh, poor wow. we were. <laughs> My mom's like, oh, spaghetti. I'm like, oh, what's on it? Oh, it's just spaghetti. I'm like, it's just ketchup, mom. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Nah, here well, you are today. Here I am today. Anyway, Trader Joe's is amazing that they they've cr they created a huge a huge store brand. No, but like out of it's, nothing. It's not because it's okay. It's pretty cool. It's because their products are good. Do you True. Know what I mean? And and their and their premise is interesting. So their products are like, yeah, that tastes good. And their premise is, what do two like people that live together in the city about the, what what size do they want? And then that's the size of stuff they sell you. So it's really hard to shop there. If you have lots of kids, because you got to buy three of everything. Oh, yeah. Because it's like true. two packs, right? Yeah, that's true. But it's great to shop there when there's just a couple of like couple of empty nesters or when you're our family it now has four people at home. So it's kind of within the relevant range for us now. But when we had all like all of our kids at home, six of us, it was like, man, you, you know. You have you adjusted to that? Shopping and 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 uh cooking for two less people? Because I certainly uh, I, have not. We have not. And like, we still just have extra food all around. All yeah, there's, there's total leftovers. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Oh, crazy. All right. So I am a native movie marketer. Okay. Because, you know, I can, you came out of. In my sleep, I can just be like, oh, yeah, you should cut that there. And that guy's wrong. And that music needs to be louder. Like, just in my sleep. Right. Okay. I'm with you. <clears throat> By the way, I can relate to that. I'm probably not I as am, good as you, but I really, 
I can I do the same thing to a to a um, trailer. I'll listen to it and I'll say that doesn't work right there. And why did they do that? And if they cut it right here, it would be much better. Yeah. Okay. If I had a little bit of training, I might be really good at it. But... I think you might be right. I like. I don't. I think I don't know why. But I, I go a different way. Like, I'm not going to be as good at that as you are because you really are very good. I remember watching you do it the, just the other day. I'm like, whoa, that was, those are really succinct. It's really specific. You know, know. exactly. I, yeah. But it's probably a combination of, of thinking experience to your point. So it's a superpower you discovered. It is. But it's without it, training. But without training. This right. Is, this is the key. So now I work in video games and I've worked in video games now for about 10 years. And I, when I switched industries to get into video games, it's because I had a, a friend who ran a video game company and he knew that I could produce because he'd seen me produce a bunch of stuff with him before. Right. So he put me in that, in that job, even though I did not know enough about video games. I just didn't. And I don't have natural instincts for video games. But I do have natural instincts for creative development. And that Venn diagram of those skills, like, it gives me 85% of the way there, right? Got it. But I, but I, <laughs> But in film, I'm like 100. Like, if someone walked into me and said, "You should, you should run marketing for Disney, Disney, the world's greatest marketing company, the world's like, who I think is very good at what they do," I'd be like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> I would not be scared. <laughs> you of could it. walk in. I would not be scared. Right. Of it. Do it. But if someone walked into here today and was like, "I want you to run EA," like, <laughs> or, you know, or Riot Games, I want you to just run the company. Right. You would I feel bet. like an imposter. I would feel like an imposter. Got it. Okay. So that's where I'm getting. So I've gotten to where now I know that I'm a good games producer for two reasons. One, the games I've made are good. And number two, I've had like industry veterans tell me you're good at this. Got it. <laughs> and I've had them tell me like, you're very good at this from time to time. Okay. But all that does is, is put a bandaid over this feeling that I'm an imposter. Now, I'm mostly got it dialed in. Like I'm like mostly yeah yeah yeah. But every but every like every you know every few months somebody that's super deep into games and super native to games will just poke at me to test me and say like I think you're doing that wrong. I think you should do it like I think you should do it like that. And I have to think about and remind myself I'm good at this. This is not my first video game. Got it. I can make this decision. Okay. No, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where whereas in film. I just be like, Papa's talking. <laughs> do, you, do, you know, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? In case you missed it, he was waving his finger when he said, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yeah, okay, I got it. All I right. got it. Okay, I understand. Okay, so that's for, a good setup for That's a good for setup. Imposter. So, 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 when is the last time that you have felt, holy crap, I am over in over my head? Never. <laughs> you asked this. I don't believe you, last... but I don't okay. believe you. Okay. So here's the thing. I either a, I never really have felt that way or B, uh, the way I look at the world doesn't allow me to feel that way. So I can remember a time. Yeah. So, so when you asked that, I was thinking in the shower this morning, I'm like, where would I really feel like an imposter? And honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to know. They're going to find out. <laughs> I can't spell anything. And I used to be really embarrassed about it. You yeah. know, back when I was a kid, I would like, I don't get it. And it turns out like I have a, a, a piece of my brain that doesn't 
compute that, right? And they they they've kind of identified it in my head, and I've found ways. Yeah, that's related to dyslexia. And, yeah, yeah, I have dyslexia, and I've always had it. And I, but I I realized a long long time ago that I knew ways around it. In fact, one one time I I had this. Um, I really know economics pretty well. Like, right. I, and I took an economics class uh, at BYU, and. I didn't do well. Now, part of that was because we were having our first kid. My wife was super, super sick the whole pregnancy. And so I was, you know, off a little bit. So I actually retook the class so I could get a better grade. And I didn't get a better grade. And, mm. I, and I kept thinking to myself, what is wrong with my head? Like, you know, and yeah. I went into a friend of mine who was a, they, he did testing, psychological testing. I'm like, I want you to test me for dyslexia so I can really understand how this works. And he told <laughs> Yeah, he's like, dude, you're in college. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He says, you're in a major university. Why do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, because this one class. He goes, everybody has that class. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Just leave. Like, so, so, so you, you know, you couldn't put his concepts that you do understand into his testing format. Everybody's got that class. So just move on. So the, the, if you were asking me where would I specifically feel like an imposter? Yeah. Any spelling bee with any age of child. Any, any age of child. <laughs> any age. Yeah. And I could be any age. I could be 48 like I am now, and you could put me in the fourth grade spelling bee, and I would be like, huh? Yeah. I, that would be, it would, I, actually, and I'm not scared of many things. I would be terrified. Right. Just because I can't spell, I really can't. I, I'm yeah. like, my, my, my middle name is Littell. Okay. Okay. And it's L-I-T-T-E-L-L. -L. Okay. Not L-I-T-T-L-L-E. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Two different words, right? Right. Okay. And other people, they make jokes with spelling. Like right. you kind of did this when we when we were naming the way stations. Like I got the perfect name, the way station. And I'm like, okay, cool. And we'll spell it W A Y. And I'm like, did you just do a spelling? Like, cause you, you missed me. <laughs> and then I'm, you're like, you know, way like W E I G H. Not what I, uh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. So then I learned that uh, Einstein was um, not a good speller either. Yeah. And I'm like, good company. Yeah. So and that I, would be where I And I've like. learned because of my, my, some of my favorite business associates, yourself included, um, are dyslexic. Larry Miller, I think, I'm pretty sure Larry Miller was dyslexic. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. I think that was the thing. Anyway, there's lots of people that are. I mean, well, it's not it, really it's been attributed. To, there's lots of people that, who who become fighters to survive because of their inability to spell, take the fighting instinct all the way into their careers and actually thrive because of it. There's actually a bunch of documented cases. Done. I'm there. <laughs> dyslexic warriors. All right, all right. unite. Warriors. Untie. <laughs> Untie. <laughs> that was a dyslexia joke. I don't get it. Because it's United States. Because it's spelling. It's the spelling. Why'd you do that? <laughs> See, I told you. I don't know. I now feel like an imposter. Great. That feeling is how you feel. Okay. So, however, I do make dyslexic jokes, right? You know that dyslexic people don't believe in dogs. Dyslexic yeah. atheists. <laughs> yeah. Get don't it. believe in get dogs. It. Dogs. I do get it. Like, For those people that are just as slow as me with spelling, dog <laughs> and God are backwards. All right. So we live in a time when people have identified and named this feeling, the feeling that you're going to be discovered for not belonging in a place. Okay. And they call it imposter syndrome. And I think that this is a fascinating topic, not just because it's a hot topic, but because I, I've known people who 
have entered a space, demonstrated that they're excellent at it and belong there, and still need me as a manager or a leader or as a friend to be like, you've demonstrated excellence. You belong here. People that tell you that 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 you don't belong here are dum dums. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and and it's a it's They're been a heads. it's been actually one of the most valuable things that I've done for some of my smartest friends. Okay, is to be the voice of belonging, like you belong. Right? Okay, wait. Can I ask a question? I may be parsing this a little bit, so, yeah. so I understand. Are you saying that someone that needs that uh, is motivated by affirmation? is uh possibly suffering from or always suffering or possibly suffering from imposter syndrome i i am not it sounds those are intersecting ideas and even parallel ideas but it's not it's not that it's 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 beyond affirmation it's not like good job attaboy okay it, it is like what do you mean you're gonna quit what, what are you oh, talking about? Oh, got it, got you it. You're quit. made for this kind of thing. You can't quit. You're made yeah, for this. Why it. would you walk out of the door? Right. I don't know. Why would Randy ever quit movie so like, marketing? So like, I have, a, I have a friend in movie marketing, actually. He's one of the most gifted people that I've worked with in movie marketing. And, it's, and his career trajectory has demonstrated it. He's now like basically running like this post-production facility that, that does almost all the cool stuff in his right. market, right? Um, he's running it uh, because he's good. But he's um, and and he he communicates calm. So I had no idea when I had no idea that when he made things for me that and handed them off that it was like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, I hope, I hope that, he likes I hope it. They don't hate it. Right. Right. So we made this one thing. We made a trailer for a filmmaker who will not be named, <laughs> who um, I, I've heard in his other life is a good dude, but as a filmmaker, he's kind of a I know everything, you know nothing guy. Right. And um, we made this we made this trailer for him, and it was excellent. And then they're like, "Yeah, we want these changes. You guys aren't doing a very good job." I'm like, "Okay." So we made changes, and then uh, we made more changes, and we made more changes. And I, and I could see my my buddy who was helping make this getting irked, but I didn't know that inside he was like. I'm failing <laughs> this filmmaker. Right. And then at one point the filmmaker is like three days before the campaign's going to run. The filmmaker's like, yeah, it's not approved. We need more changes. And, and I, I realized what was happening. And then I saw that my buddy was suffering. I care way more about my buddy than I did about this little film. And so I fired back an email and says like, well, we've done the best we can. If this isn't approvable, we'll just cancel the ad campaign. Good luck. <laughs> and be quiet papa's talking <laughs> be quiet papa's talking right so uh they came back later and was like wow that was really rude and da 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 i'm like cool and they're like so yeah we approve it i'm like okay great <laughs> that was horribly rude yeah yeah, yeah. but we but approve you that's not the part of the story that i'm that that's that's the randy brag right there but the real part of the story was my buddy pulls me aside later he's like Thank you for doing that. He's like, I, I really feel like I was being mistreated. And I don't know. I like I didn't realize that he was having this whole journey. Right. Um, which is which is really common in the creative arts, honestly. Uh, common as in like, I don't know, 30% of all people doing it are just like, oh gosh, are they gonna find out that I suck at this? I'm a fraud. You know what I mean? Especially actors. Especially actors. Well, yeah. I mean, I think okay, so here's the thing. Like, I actually think paradigms and the way people filter the world are are kind of where this 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 is the way I see it. Okay. From my perspective, I don't feel like an imposter anyway. I felt behind before. 
Like I remember yeah. my, one of my first classes, I, I, I'd gone to two different um, uh, community colleges before I ended up getting into BYU. Took me three times, by the way, to get into BYU. And the only reason I got in, I think, is because the counselor who was like in charge of, of reviewing my uh, application was out on maternity leave. <laughs> and the one that took her place was like in the process of reviewing my third application, right? And she's like, hey, can you come in and talk to me? And I'm like, oh, done deal. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, right now I'm good. I'm Let's over it. Yeah. So I walk into her office and she talks to me and like, before I know, you know, before I know, okay, we're going to let you in. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I got an interview. And by the way, I tried to crash an interview with the other yeah. um, counselor and it was like a no go. Like, oh no, you're not a student. I can't talk to you. Cause that would be unfair to the other oh, wow. blind applications that they're looking at or something like that. I don't know. Anyway. So I remember sitting there my first, I went from community college to uh, U UVU now was called UVSC. So what was that? Utah State, Valley Community State College. College. So State College. State College. Yeah. UVSC. Oh, that's right. State College. Okay. So I went from Community College, Glendale Community College. Then I went to UVSC before it was UVU. And then I got into BYU. Yeah. And I remember sitting in my first BYU class and I'm sitting there. And I mentioned this last time, the person, like the influential professor that really changed me. This was that class. And I'm yeah. sitting there and he's like, before we go on in this class, we're going to be talking. So the, 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 the class's name was The Origins of Human Freedom, which to me was sounded fascinating. Sounds great. Yes, yeah. Very fascinating. Uh, but and he's like, so um, what are your first assignment is to define time. <laughs> and I remember looking around and at, the, at this point, I'm still the smartest guy in the room. In my head. In your right? head, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so he's like, and and then I'm thinking, okay, I could figure this out. Oh, you know, give me some time and I'll figure it out, right? <laughs> and uh, I thought it was going to be an assignment where next class we'll talk about it. No, he starts going around the room. By the way, there's only like 20 kids in this class. Okay. It's like a 300 level class and he points and points and points. And I'm like, I'm getting to be the last one. <laughs> and all these answers were like, whoa, that's really smart. <laughs> Yeah, they always start. Well, that guy's yeah. The first whatever guy, he said, the first guy is like anecdotally. I'm going to say, and I'm like anecdotally. You have time anecdotes? Yeah. I don't have time anecdotes. I've never thought of a time anecdote. <laughs> and it gets to me, and I'm like, I can't remember what I say, but I remember at that moment thinking, yeah, maybe I'm not the smartest guy that I thought. Now. Room. That was like a fleeting moment, and right. I go back to this idea that maybe I had a narcissistic upbringing. My mother overcompensated because we didn't have a dad telling us that we could do truly anything. Yeah. And so but see, that's the thing. Okay. So you and I both were raised with parents that were telling us you can do whatever you want. Right. You can be president. You can be, you can go to space. Right. You can do whatever you want. Right. And just try hard and believe and you can do it. Well, my mom went on so beyond now, that. Do you have an IQ that can take you really far? Now imagine being, being who you are. Right. And having had parents that follow you around saying you're trash. Like oh, yeah, everything you everything you do turns to garbage. Yeah, it does make you like sad. Like Cruella Deville, it does make you sad. But you you work with people who are like that, and when they work, they don't just work to be excellent. They work because they're fighting ghosts oh. of, of that dark past, trying to put the voices in their head are saying you're, fighting you're, imposter you're, syndrome. You're fighting imposter syndrome. So how do I help them? I think you identify excellence. I, I, I think and, that, and, I think you identify, put it on a 
board. I think you identify excellence and you call it out. I saw what you did. That was excellent. You know what I mean? I think you do that. I think, and sometimes, uh, sometimes putting yourself out there like that can backfire. Okay, so uh, but not nearly as much as just withholding. Does this relate to people that are comfortable in their own skin? One hundred percent. Okay, yes. so I personally am super comfortable with people that are comfortable in their own skin. Yes, I find it very difficult to um, to to relate on any specific level with people that are not comfortable in their own skin. There is one particular, my brother and I always joke about this. We can identify with almost every one of our clients somehow. We can find a connection and we always do because at yeah. the end of the day, they buy you. They don't buy your company or your specific service. They really like you, so they wanna use you. They Fair trust enough. you, right? Yeah. So, um, but there's one group and it's a, it's a fairly large group in what we do. And that is the frat boy, Let's go to the bar and have a drink. Now, it's not go to the bar and have a drink that's the problem, even though we don't drink, right? Right. It's the frat boy syndrome. They joined a fraternity and they talk about sports and women and, and cuss. It's just not something I've ever been able to relate to. Now, I know people with my, mor my same moral code where they don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't do that. Sure. And they get along with those people fabulously. Yeah. I'm just not one of them. And I've all, and I will admit, okay, I found a place. Yes. In high school, I really wanted to be a football player. Got it. I have about on a scale of 1 to 10, number 10 being Brady, right? Tom Brady. It, yes. He is like the the pinnacle of football excellence, yes. right? And number 1 being Urkel. Number 1 being a baby that can't crawl yet. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yes. I am probably a. My narcissistic upbringing wants to give me a four. My realism <laughs> says maybe three. Okay. Okay. So I have very little. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a lot prowess. to offer. Right. So I football. remember thinking that's the group I wanted to be in when I was a sophomore and a junior in, in high school. Okay. And I remember somewhere in the junior year of high school thinking, yeah, those aren't my people. And I know who I am. And then I just kind of like got out of that. Yeah. So um, that was a, po a moment that I felt like an imposter because I, tr I tried out for football. Yeah. And uh, I even di did the off-season training and all that other stuff with them. And I enjoyed the training part. I just was never, you know, they talk about closing speed. <laughs> I didn't have starting speed. <laughs> I had just like, but <laughs> yeah, I was like that guy you could put in the middle of the field and maybe he'd make a difference once. Yeah. I was so, crazy though. Well, you, you brought up as an interesting point is sometimes you don't belong somewhere. So sometimes right. it's not a syndrome at all. Sometimes you're actually not fitted for the thing that you're trying to do. Right. And that's actually perfectly okay. Do you know what I mean? And I'll walk off of that. I, but, but I, that's I don't think okay, but that's not imposter syndrome, right? That's just realist. I, this isn't me. This, this is, is what I do. This is not for you. Right. That's, that's perfectly okay. fine. But, but the feeling of feeling like when something good happens to you that you actually do belong in, take it, man, take it with both hands, take it with both hands and don't let go. You know what I mean? That's, that's all. And, and own the fact that you're good enough and that you, that you belong there. Okay. So can I talk about a, a a tangent of this subject. Yes. Uh, one of the things I play with my kids, uh, I am really native to visual marketing. Okay. It's native to me. Yeah. It's something like you were talking about uh, the the marketing, uh, the movie marketing is so native to you. It's 100%. Yeah. 
I mine is visual marketing. Uh, I work with your wife, who's a graphics designer, yeah. right? And she and I can work really well together with really super abstract ideas because she's really good at putting what's in my head on paper. Yeah. And I and so my daughter, who did, who saw this process that I go through quite a bit, because when you're marketing a building, sometimes the way you market it really matters to who's going to buy it. So right. you want to contact the people that you really want to buy it and not contact the people that shouldn't be buying it. And most people think you take a picture, you put it up there, and that's the end of it. Yeah. But it's not. Like I have a I have this really cool downtown building called the Allied Crafts Building. It was built by a really cool architect named William Douglas Lee. William Douglas Lee is famous for doing the Chateau Marmont, where all the rock stars had yeah, destroyed yeah. every Fam one famous, of those rooms. Famous Hollywood yeah. Hotel. Famous Hollywood Hotel. My favorite brand stayed there, Led Zeppelin, and, and uh, they 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 destroyed the place. Okay. It's now a private club, by the way. Oh. Uh, just, I think it was this year or last year they did that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so those are cool parts of this. But the building itself was just built as a manufacturing, right? right. So the question, the person I want to buy this is a person who loves the facade of the building and can see something new on the inside. And so they're going to pay more for the building for what they can make it into. Yeah. Finding that guy's hard. Right. So it's a constant, how do I do this? How do I tool this? How do I go after this? So my point is, is that uh, my daughter saw me do these things and she really got excited about it. Says, I'm going to do graphic design. It even worked with your wife for a little bit before yeah. she left on her mission. And so I would play games. And I have this theory. My theory is this. Everybody knows what a good logo is. Everybody knows what a bad logo is. Everybody knows what a good billboard is. And everybody knows what a bad billboard is. Yeah. So I would test this theory they as just I would don't, drive. They just don't know that they know it, I'm assuming is what you're saying? Well, if the it's just a flash, right? So the way I test my theory is when I'm driving, which we do a lot as a family, our family vacations, we're always get in the car and go. Sure. Um, I would look at billboards and I would point good billboard or bad billboard. And you would get almost identifiably the same answers. Almost just consistently. Right. Yeah. But it's because people don't realize that they're processing that information that they're doing that. And the problem is, is that I, I, I heard um, Elon Musk say recently that the, one of the reasons why some of these businesses in the, in the country or, or some businesses fail is because they have too many MBAs. Yeah. We at our business, hire lots of people in lots of different ways. MBAs almost uniformly don't make it in my business. Right, because they want it to be a hard science and it's a soft science. Correct, and there's some instinct to it, especially if you have anything like that. So an imposter syndrome, sometimes you have to remember, you probably have more instincts to that and you have to build that. So I tried to build people's uh, you know, ability to identify what is good and what is bad and say, okay, that. You, if I handed you a, a postcard and I say good or bad, you're going to say bad. You may not know why, but you're just like, eh, I don't like it. Yeah. But I'm the guy that can look at it and say, I know why he doesn't like it. Right? Right. And, and then I can go and, and, and articulate that with, with, a, with, with a thing. So part of imposter syndrome, I think, at the end of the day, this has gone on to a long rant, but uh, is that people don't realize that they already have some natural instincts into lots of different things, and they don't accept that it is an instinct. They're always going to defer to someone else who knows better 
better educated, better trained kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that, that I actually have a theory of genius that kind of dovetails with that, which is I don't think that everybody is a genius at all things. And I, I definitely don't think that um, society's definition of a genius, which is to be academically minded, right, is a good definition of genius. I agree. I believe that there are people who have um, built-in gifts for X, Y, or Z thing, whether right. it's whether it's outdoor signage, whether it's um, identifying a good music lick, whether it's writing amazing lyrics to something, whether it's just being. I I, I once I once had the the blessing of knowing a guy when I was a missionary who was a landscape architect. And how he, he got commissioned to do this really expensive job. And, and when it was all done, he refused to take any money. And he said, they're like, why won't you take any money? Because this is a garden for God. Awesome. <laughs> and he just walked away because he is a genius at, 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 landscape, at landscaping, right? Okay. All that to say. This is a garden for God. Yeah. All that to say. Um, if you if you're good at a thing and you, and you and you got the shot, then you belong there. Keep doing it. And if you feel like you're not fitted, but you're actually not fitted, well, then make a change. No one, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. All right. But wait, one question. Yes. Before you decide this is over, Steve Jobs. Yes. Didn't finish any of the you know the uh, accolades of uh, of colleges, et cetera, and so forth. Right. Yes. What's he a genius in? Um, consumer empathy. I agree. No, for real. Yeah. People are going to say, no, he's a computer science genius. No, he nope. didn't invent any of the things nope. that, that he sent into the world. Right. He refined them right. by saying, I, I'm confused. Do it again. I'm confused. Make it easier. Right. Make, I'm confused. Make it simpler. And he was brutal about it. Brutal about because it. Because he knew he was a genius in the space. And he was. Yeah. He changed the computer world. Nobody thought he could. He got fired from his own company that he started and then came back and resurrected them from the dead and made them one of the most valuable brands in the world. Yeah, second most valuable company in the world right now. I think second or third. What's what's number one? Um, they always go back oh, and forth. There's like, there's like three or four. So Aramco is one. Uh, Microsoft is up there. Amazon's up there. And Apple's up there. And maybe Google. Those are like the tops. Anyway. I'm looking at the most valuable. By the way, uh, oh, I already told you I found the Hoagie Yogi. I'm going to call Yeah. Him. All right. So I have a brag. This is unrelated. We're doing a radical subject change. Because we only have radical. Few, a few more minutes. Oop, Microsoft's number one right now. Okay. By the way, stock market's dumped their fire the last couple of days. Thanks, stock market. Um, all right. So. <laughs> Thanks, stock market. Like, it's an inanimate object. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. It's running for its life. Can't be an animate if it's running. Oh, I was wrong. Life. Microsoft is two. The Saudi Arabian oil company Aramco. is number one. Yeah. <laughs> Aramco's like two trillion or something. It goes Microsoft, Apple. It's a Saudi Arabia oil company, 1.6 billion. Um no, 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 no. Trillion. Capitalization, 1.6 trillion. Microsoft, 1.3 trillion. Apple, 1.285 trillion. And then Amazon, 1.233 trillion. Yeah. Can you imagine where you live in a world where Companies are now measured in the trillions. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy because I've heard this riddle once before, which is if someone came in here and said, they'll give you a billion dollars, you can just have it. All you have to do is count it. Would you take it? And the, the reason it's a riddle is someone did the math. It would take like 75 years to count a billion dollars. In ones? It's like, yeah, if it's in ones, it's like, 
X amount of bills per per second, X amount of bills per hour, X amount of hours in the day, X amount of hours in a year. Do you, do you, it's do you, like 75 years or something crazy. So, so trillion, I think, uh, my thinking abstractly. Trillion is a thousand times bigger than that. But I'm thinking abstractly. Can I get a counting machine? No. No, you're not. By the way, can you think abstractly and do things like that? Because my son the other day says, hey, dad, you want to play Battleship? I was like, sure. So you know what he did? What? He put his Battleships, one peg in the hole, and the other one's hanging off the grid. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm, I, I've got Next all, I, I'm like, why haven't I sunk that thing? And he goes, dad, you call, haven't sunk it. I call promise. Call the Navy. They need him. You know, they right? need him. Yes. I said, and he goes, dad, there's no rule against it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, kind of. There is kind of. So I have uh, crows in the neighborhood. Have oh, you ever had crows in the neighborhood? Yeah, they're bad. Not great. Not no. great. And they make lots of noise. Lots of noise. So, <laughs> so last year. Those crows decided that the place they were going to live was the fence behind my bedroom window. Like, <laughs> and so every morning at like 5 30 in the morning, they're like, Hey, we're hanging out out here. Hey, wake up. Hey, we're just morning uh, time. Morning times. And dude, it's not a pretty bird noise. I don't know if you've heard oh, a crow, man. Horrible. It's not great. It's not great. So, so I'm like, I got to get rid of the crows. Like, well, in the, in, you know, ancient times, you walk outside with a shotgun and that would be that, right? right. Crows, crows gone, right? right? But Shotguns I'm pretty make sure too much noise in LA. the houses that I that I live in are close enough to the neighbors that maybe someone would notice if I was shooting off a, a right. shotgun in the backyard. Tell me you got a BB gun. <laughs> I did not. Uh, um, paintball. I did not. You're, you're going to love this story. It's <laughs> even better. Yeah, it is. So I go read up. How do you get rid of crows? And and the answer is, like, there's this one, I get to the one website where it's like. Alka-Seltzer. All right, here's what you can do. They don't like reflective services. So hang a bunch of CDs in the backyard. And I'm like, oh. I'm like. That's I got, weird. I got a few of those. Like, they don't like uh, fish wire because, like, so hang fish wire in the backyard. I'm like, okay, weird. They're like, they're smart birds, so they they get freaked out if they see another dead crow. So get uh get a get a toy crow and hang it upside down, and they'll freak out and leave. And they're like, they also don't like the sound of crows like dying. So re- record a crow dying and then play the audio. <laughs> you get the audio of a crow dying. So, so I'm reading this. By the time I'm done, I'm laughing to tears because I'm like. So you want me to create a crow spook alley <laughs> in, in the backyard <laughs> to get rid of crows? I'm like, there's got to be. This is I don't. This is what I would do. Hey Max, <laughs> no, Max, I need a, Max, I need a spook alley in the back for crows. Max is like on it. He's like, I got lots of concepts. He'd, he'd bring out like a mood board. <laughs> he'd bring out like the little tiny marbles for put them in Vaseline and put them in the back. The, yeah. They're the fish. They're the eyes of crows. So the one thing that seems sort of reasonable, I mumble something to my kids about. You know, I guess I can put some CDs back there. They're like, we're not putting CDs in the backyard. <laughs> He's like, that's weird. We're not doing it. I'm like, fair enough. So then I'm like, okay, I want something that's a little discreet. But it's, it's the reflection that, that freaks them out, right? I want something that's a little discreet, um, but they'll be effective in repelling crows in lots of different directions. And I'm like, but I don't want anyone to like notice it. Tinsel. $14.99 on Amazon. <laughs> Six inch disco ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does it plug in? So, so no, it doesn't plug in. It's just the reflective mag like it's mirrors all around a, a sphere. So then I I, I I I tie it to a wire and I go to my yard and I hang it from this palm tree that we have in the backyard with this beautiful palm tree back there. With I a get, disco ball on I it. I get it around a frond up there, I hang it up really high. 
And I'm like, and I'm like, well, that's high enough. I can't even really notice it, right? Dude, two years no on, two years on, crows are gone. They're just gone. Disco ball. Disco crow. ball in the palm tree. <laughs> but Dude, I mean, okay. every once in a while, I get, I'm reminded of my triumph, which is why we're talking about it today, because it's been a year or two now. I'm reminded of my triumph because I'm like in my office and just like this tiny gleam of light will like, <laughs> <laughs> will like come through the window and I'm like, ah, oh, disco ball. <laughs> the tiny gleaming light comes through the window and it makes me want to dance. Yeah. So there you go. If you all have crow problems, disco inferno, baby. Disco, <laughs> burn, disco. baby, burn. The marketing side of me thinks, is there a big market for yeah. this? And if you need a crow spook alley. Call William, maybe, or call or call my son Max. No, Max. He'll have you yeah. taken care of. Well, it seems like that's that's the end of today. I think that's the end of today. Well, not I mean, not at the end of the day, but the end of our there is a moment where I might that, have found myself to be an imposter at getting rid of crows, but it turns out I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. They're tying it all together, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so enjoy our not so fresh, our fresh frozen. <laughs> Yeah, this fresh is, recorded. This episode is going to drop fresh after it's long frozen <laughs> in a few days. So I told you my brother was like super excited, like, "Hey, I listened to the podcast." This is the brother that I didn't think would listen. For sure. And he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm surprised at two things. One, you don't go off on political rants that I've heard all my life, <laughs> and the second thing I was really interested in is that you're using filters. Like, this was a huge." Like, You're, dude, the veneer of civilization has right. been placed upon. William. I didn't have the hope. I didn't have any of the heart because I basically it's stolen valor because <laughs> Randy edits me from time to time. <laughs> Without further ado, this has been the Waystation Podcast. Have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs>